So we are in a season as we begin this new year of steeping in the presence of God, steeping in the Holy Spirit. This is an intentional time for you and I to get to know the Holy Spirit on a more intimate level. This is a season of surrender. It is a season of yielding. So have you come today to be touched by God? No? I'm not enthused. Did you come today to be touched by God? Amen. Thank you. I mean, you sang so well today, so I know you have it in you. See, we've come today to be encountered. And the presence of God is here. And if you leave the same as you came in, that's because you didn't yield your heart. See, God wants to talk to us this morning. The Spirit wants to reveal himself to us this morning. But you and I, we have to choose to be willing vessels. I want to thank those who, who looked for the scriptures last week. There are a few more printed out from last week's. If you need that, I know some of you talked to Daryl. He'll be here to hand them out. And then I have a new handout, some new scriptures for this week. Now, if you don't need the paper, email us. Okay? Crystal at northviewchurch.ca or Diana info at northviewchurch.ca. And we will get those out to you Tuesday. So send us an email. And, and I hope that those of you who meditated on that scripture this week, you had an encounter. And you're having a sense of the spirit in your life differently than before. See, as we dig into who is the Holy Spirit and as we yield to his ministry in our lives... One of the first things we need to do is get our head around the Trinity. We talked about this a little bit last week. Because the Holy Spirit is not the essence or the power of God. He is God. He is the person, the third member of the Godhead. And I want to remind you that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, our Jewish friends declare this each day. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. One God and three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. They are distinct persons in one being. It is a mystery that we accept in faith, but that we get to encounter in this life. J.I. Packer said, God is triune. There are within the Godhead three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that the work of salvation is one in which all three act together, the Father purposing redemption, the Son securing it, and the Spirit applying it. N.T. Wright says, those in whom the Spirit comes to live are God's new temple. They are individually and corporately Places where heaven and earth 
meet. I need you to ponder that for a minute. If you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then the Spirit of Christ indwells you. He took up residence in you. He lives in you, making you a temple. Making you a temple of God where heaven and earth come together. Do people experience heaven and earth coming together in you? In us as we come together and worship the Lord. Shared last week that our vision is that Northview Community Church exists to make heaven crowded. We want tons of neighbors. And in order to do this, our mission is to create ways for people to experience the extraordinary love of God and to become fully devoted followers. But before we can get there, you and I need to become fully devoted followers. People of the Spirit. People who are led by the Lord. I have some statistics from mid-2019. From Gordon Conwell Statistics of Global Christianity. So in mid-2019, did you know that, that there were fewer atheists in the world? There was 138 million versus... 165 million atheists in 1970. That surprises you, doesn't it? Because it's a mess out there. And yet there are fewer atheists in the world. In the 1900s, there were twice as many Christians in Europe as in the rest of the world combined. In 2019, there were more Christians in both Latin America and Africa. In 2050, Asia will have more Christians than Europe. So mid-2019, the world's population was 7.7 billion people. With 2.5 billion Christians. 1.2 billion Roman Catholics. 693,000, Pentecostals or Charismatics. Nearly 700 million Pentecostals and Charismatics. About 350 million Evangelicals in the world. Among Christians, Pentecostals are growing faster than any other group at a rate of 2.6% a year. Evangelicals are second, growing at 2.19%. Gordon Conwell, when they do evangelical, in brackets, they put anti-Pentecostal. Okay? So they're growing. 
And we praise God for that. But the people of the Spirit are growing quicker. The Lord is adding to our numbers. And if you have been out and about in the midst of Christendom, especially in our area, in our country, we, the people of the Spirit, us Pentecostals, seem to be the minority, don't we? But in the rest of the world, we're not. When you leave North America and you go south to Latin America or you go to Africa, the Spirit of God is moving and he is transforming people and he is changing lives and people are becoming Spirit-filled, on-fire followers of Jesus. So do not give up hope. Do not be discouraged. Jesus' words are being fulfilled that he will build his church. And the gates of hell will never, will never overcome it. And the church is growing by a yielding of people to the spirit of God. Pentecostalism is a Protestant Christian movement that emphasizes the direct personal experience with the Holy Spirit through spirit baptism. Pentecostalism was birthed out of Azusa Street revival in 1906. When they were in a room and they got to experience what the disciples knew in Acts 2. Now, lots of people call themselves Pentecostal. Even some of the kooky ones. Okay? And, and it's there. But we as classic Pentecostal, we're not name it and claim it. We're not kooky. This isn't the, the stranger days. The Spirit of God does not bring chaos. He brings clarity. We do not have to fear a moving of the Spirit. He is not going to make you do crazy things. He will not embarrass you. He will not lead you astray. He will point you to Jesus every time. In John's Gospel, chapter 14, we looked at this last week. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. I am not a Greek expert. But what I do know is that in the Greek, that word another means one like me. Now, I need us for a minute to imagine sitting there with Jesus. Imagine the experience that you, you have had if you were one of his disciples from his calling on you to you walking with him to, you know, the boat nearly sinking because of fish to a storm where you thought you were going to die and he stood up and he said, peace be still. 
Imagine being in the presence of one who controlled the wind and the waves. They're fishermen. They don't scare easy. And they were terrified. Imagine being there when a little girl was just brought back to life. Imagine being there when he called Lazarus out of the grave and he came. And now he's telling them what all of this is leading up to. That he is the suffering servant. That he's going to secure our redemption. And they have their own ideas. They're thinking military. They're thinking force. They're thinking we're definitely going to win because he's God. And he's saying, I'm leaving. What on earth is he thinking? You know that that's what's crossing your mind. Why on earth would he leave us? We don't need another. We need him. And he said, but when I go to the Father, the Father's going to send another. One just like me. But one that can do something that Jesus cannot do. One that will indwell us. One like Jesus, the advocate. One that will be summoned and called to our side. One that is called to our aid. An intercessor. Our helper. Jesus says, it's better that I go. See, I get, I get lost here. Because these poor schmucks are with Jesus. He's telling them he's leaving. They don't understand. Then he says he's going to be betrayed. And then it all comes to pass. And they flee. And they deny him. John goes to the cross. And watches the Son of God die. John stood there with Mary, who had to let her son go. The fulfillment of the prophecy that her heart would be shattered. And now he's gone. And then three days later, he's back again. And it takes them a bit to clue in and catch up. Zig Ziglar tells this story about getting new glasses. And I can't remember the story, but what I remember is Zig talks about coming out of that doctor's office. And he was really picking them up and putting them down. Those disciples, when Jesus rose again, they were picking them up and putting them down. I mean, they were prouder than peacocks. If they thought they knew power before, whoa. And then he goes and does it again. He goes and tells him he's leaving again. Are you kidding me? Talk about trauma. Talk about abandonment issues. You're leaving again? What are you thinking? 
I feel so bad for the disciples as they stand there being told to stay put, not to leave. But they watched him go. If you are somebody who suffers with separation anxiety, this would be awful. Because they don't understand what's coming next. When Jesus says that they are going to receive power when the Spirit comes. See, the Holy Spirit does incredible work in and through us. And we are going to get to a Sunday where we are talking spirit baptism. And I am praying now that we will see the Spirit move. And if you've not been baptized in the Spirit, that it is happening. It's going to happen. And I'm praying for a move of the Spirit in our midst that draws the attention of those outside this place. But there's work that also needs to be done, a maturing. See, the Spirit does two things. There's an inward ministry of the Holy Spirit and an outward ministry of the Holy Spirit. And in the inward ministry, it's salvation, purity, the fruits of the Spirit, we're going to unpack that more specifically next week. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the work of the Spirit, the evidence of the work of the Spirit in our lives. Then there's the outward ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, he's a gift giver. So we have spirit baptism when, when the Spirit comes upon us. And we know we've been baptized in the Spirit because we have this sign of speaking in tongues, speaking in another language. And that language can be a heavenly language. And for some people, it's an earthly foreign language unlearned. But the Spirit, comes, the Spirit also gives gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12, there's wisdom and knowledge and faith healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues, prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. This is some of the outward ministry and workings of the Spirit in our lives. But we need to understand what happens as we have encounters with the Holy Spirit. Our first encounter, for all of us, whether we knew it or not, our first encounter with God was through the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit who convicts us, who begins to reveal Jesus. After all, he's the presence of God on this earth. So the Spirit was the one that drew your eyes to Jesus. It is the spirit that churned your heart to recognize that you were a sinner in need of saving. John 16 verse 8 says that 
when he comes, when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. It is God's love and God's mercy that he exposes our sin. And as we are digging into the work of the Spirit, and as you and I are leaning in and yielding, palms up, hands open, search me, melt me, mold me, change me. The Spirit of God still convicts us of sin. But I need you to hear something. The Spirit of God is not a condemning spirit. He is a convicting, perfecting spirit. And we all have sin in our life. And in all likelihood, we have things that need to be exposed. The Spirit is going to be pushing down on some of that. Saying, come on, it's time to confess it, to let it go, to receive forgiveness and healing and wholeness. And I need us to resolve in this moment that we will not judge one another. Because we're no different. When I was in Bible school, I had to write a paper on the ethics of Ted Bundy. My, my Bible college faculty picked it for me personally because <sighs> I was his favorite. And then after I wrote my paper and put it in, he said, now go watch this. And I've never been more mad in my entire life than when I watched this brutal human being who had done horrible things to women who matched my description. And he gave his life to the Lord. I felt defeated in that. And then it came here on Good Friday. And I sang praises to God and rejoiced over the criminal saved on the cross when Jesus said, I will remember you today in paradise. And the Spirit of God convicted me. You rejoice over a criminal saved. Be hardened your heart over a criminal saved. Crystal, what makes you think you're any different? Because your sin in my sight is foul. So loved ones. As the Spirit moves in us and, and tills some things up, we're going to do this together in love, as family. We need to be who God has called the church to be a safe haven for the broken and the lost. And so, if you have the privilege, of being someone that a brother and sister comes to and confesses sin and asks for prayer, humble yourself before God. 
humble yourself because you are being trusted. It is not gossip. It is not to be shared. You will pray over your brother or your sister. And you will rejoice that the Spirit of God is doing house cleaning in us. Because we all need it. We all need it. Because the Holy Spirit's job is renewal and regeneration in us. Titus 3, 4, and 5 says, When the Spirit of kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and the new life has begun. John says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We need to be purified, friends. See, it's not just a one-time thing the day we profess our faith in Christ. I need the Spirit to renew me regularly. I need my mind and my thoughts transformed continually. Because, see, there's this enemy. And he hates our guts. And he wants us to be spiritually dead. He wants to steal us from Yahweh. And it is the Spirit who stands in that gap with us. See, the Holy Spirit took up residence. He indwells you. And the good news is, is he knows how to discern the spirits of the enemy. He knows how to point you directly to the sin in your life, even that sin that nobody else knows about. He's going to point out your hard-heartedness, bitterness, bad attitudes, all of it, because he loves you. I was driving one day because I needed to pray and I was working with a couple, and some horrible stuff had come out. There had been unfaithfulness in the relationship. And there was embarrassment, and it was public, and it was messy and ugly. And the, the innocent party had called me and said, why on earth? Would God humiliate me by making this public? Why would he let it be exposed? And that was a really good question, and I didn't have an answer in that moment. So I, I took time to pray and to seek God. And then I realized something. The Spirit spoke to me. 
See, God exposes our sin out of mercy and grace. And he brings it forward and it surfaces, so we have to deal with it. Because for God so loved the world that he gave a son so that no one would perish. He calls out our sin. He brings that which is darkness in us into the light because he loves us. Because he's merciful to us. Because his heart is to rejuvenate and transform and renew us. So that we can live on the mission he's given us. Are you with me? See, the work of the Spirit in us is a lifetime of maturing us. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. He points the world to Jesus. And he's refining us every day if we let him. See, as Christians, as those of us who declare Jesus as our king, those who have been born by the Spirit, we should naturally be bearing the evidence of Jesus in us. The Holy Spirit will draw us to holiness and godliness. See, when Paul says to train yourself up to be godly, and Peter says, you have everything you need to live a holy and godly life. It is because the Spirit of the Almighty lives in you. But we have to turn our ears to him. See, here's the thing. We can get really excited about the move of the Spirit, and I want us to be really excited about the move of the Spirit. And we could go straight to spirit baptism. And we could come straight to, hey, we want power to live on mission. But here's my struggle with that. Is that I've encountered people who have felt abused by the people of the Spirit. I've encountered people who have said, so they're so holy or holier than thou, and they have this move of the Spirit, but I know this. I know the sin. And it defeats the witness. So it is better for us to get raw and real to let the Lord do the housekeeping in us. So we'll have nothing to be ashamed of. Because our God is a forgiving God. That we, when we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us. Because then there's this opportunity for empowering and anointing. When we are energized by the Spirit to do the power, we have the power of ministry. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon an individual for a moment, for a time, for an event. But Joel had this prophecy 
that one day the Spirit would be poured out onto all people. Not just an individual, not just a king or a priest, but that the Spirit would be poured out on all people. That sons and daughters would prophesy and that old men would dream dreams and young men would see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days. And it began in Acts 2. When the Lord freely poured out his spirit on all people. In his book, Forgotten God, Francis Chan says, he's talking about there's something missing. There's a disconnect between the church and the power of God. And he says, I believe that that missing something is actually a missing someone, namely the Holy Spirit. Without him, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. The world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence of their lives is supernatural. The church cannot help but to be different. And the world cannot help but take notice. Have you been operating on your own strength? We have been. Have you been relying on yourself? Are you producing human-like results? It's time to repent. I wonder if there's somebody here that's feeling like, I think I'm okay. I haven't felt the conviction of God in quite some time. I think I'm doing okay. Friend, you're ignoring the spirit. You're ignoring the spirit. You need to receive that conviction. I'm going to do something. Well, actually, no. The Lord's going to do something. I'm going to facilitate it. We need to get alone with the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to just come up and to start playing. Maybe this is really new to you. Maybe, maybe you have a flop sweat happening right now and your heart's racing 10 miles, you know, 100 miles a minute. 
This is, this is God moving by spirit. We lean into that. We don't have to be afraid. He is a God of love. And he, he wants you to know just how much he loves you. He wants you to draw you into his presence. He wants to change you. For some of you, he wants to renew the love you first had for him. He wants to remind you that if you have air in your lungs, your mission is not done. He's not done with you. He is able to do immeasurably more than you can ever hope or imagine with you. With you and through you. And so we need to be obedient because the worst thing we can do today is to not respond. See, the enemy, the enemy doesn't want you to get raw with God. You're not going to be embarrassed. You're not going to be judged. You're going to be transformed. You're going to be made new. You're going to reconnect with the lover of your soul. So I'm going to ask you to be brave. And I'm going to ask you to be brave for your own sake, but I'm going to ask you to be brave for the sake of your friends. And unless you are physically unable, I want you to leave your seats. And I want you to come to the altar. Maybe you've never been to the altar before. You're going to have an encounter with God. You're going to be alone. And I want you to listen to him. And I want you to pray what he's put on your heart. And I want you to receive from him. He's doing an inner work in you. And I don't want you to miss out. And you are far better off being with him here than for me to keep talking to you. So I want to invite you right now as a step of faith to come forward, to come to this altar, to worship the God, to listen to his spirit, to pour your heart out, to confess what you need to confess. To be made whole and made new. Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on us this morning. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. 
soul of heaven, heart of God, wash over us, we pray. Cleanse us, teach us, hold us, reach us. Holy presence, love divine, cast out our fear. Shield us, free us, call us, and lead us. Spirit of God, have your way in us. So church, you can raise your voice, only he is listening. Pour out your heart to the lover of your soul. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Holy and anointed one. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God, have your way in us today. Renew our hearts, transform our minds. Do immeasurably more in us today. May we sense your heart for us. Overwhelm us with your presence. Lord, we are a sinful people. And we have failed you more times than we want to admit. We have had wrong thoughts. We have given in to temptation and we're embarrassed. We have bought the lie that you don't love us. Holy Spirit, cast out all fear. Make your heart known to us. Make your will known to us. Fill us. Fill us. Raise your voices to the Lord. Raise your voices to the Lord. Praise your name. Praise your name. Glory, glory, glory. The whole earth is full of your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
So, Father God, here we are with arms wide open and hearts abandoned. We want more of you, more of you in us, more of you, more of you. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. We surrender our agendas. We surrender our future. We surrender our plans. We say, will your will be done in us and through us and on this earth. May we be a people of the Spirit. That when we encounter the people of the world, they sense that we are like Caleb. That we are a people of a different spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to do everything that you want to do in and through us here at Northview. Lord, where there is a need of faith, I pray that you bless us with faith. Where there is a need for healing, Lord, I pray for healing. I pray that we will see the supernatural move in our midst. Lord, that the medical professionals will be wowed because of what you've done. Lord, I pray where relationships need to be restored, that there is healing and restoration. Lord, we pray those prodigals home. Thank you that you are the God who carries all of our burdens. So as we continue, Lord, in worship and praise to you, in these days and weeks, remind us to stay yielded. Remind us to whom we belong to, to what we've been called to. And we pray all of this in the name above every name, in the name of our King, in the name of our Lord, in the name of our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is, his lo is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, According to his power that it is work within us, to him be glo the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Lord, fill us to the full measure of the fullness of God.
In Jesus' name, amen. You are loved. May you be richly blessed by the Spirit of God today.